Cash Flow Diary Podcast, episode 505. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Cash Flow Diary Podcast, the podcast that teaches you insider tips, tactics, and strategies for creating leveraged streams of cash flow into your life. Learn from top-performing entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their secrets to success. Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to learninvestingnow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Game, Jay Massey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Massey, and I'm glad that you are here today because when it becomes a part of your mission, you know, you and I, we're all out there trying to grow our cash flow in various different forms. Yes, a lot of you are using real estate. Yes, a lot of you are using business. Yes, we've got combinations, investments, all these things. And we spend a lot of time thinking about systems and strategy and, and, and processes and trying to make our businesses work as best as humanly possible. But occasionally, we can neglect the number one system that we must be taking care of. And of course, I know you're thinking, I'm going to talk about your body. Yes, because that's what we're going to talk about. Think about it. That, that engine that you and I rely upon each and every day. Think about it. Your brain generates those ideas. Your body's, your hands start typing to, to make those notes and then we do our best to communicate with our mouths, that mission, that vision. Well, you've got to make sure that what's going in also is in support of that mission. And I think today's guest is going to help you and I look at things in a completely different way. But most importantly, we'll be able to learn so much. He's got a new book on the way, 31 Day Food Revolution, Heal Your Body, Feel Great, and Transform Your World, which I'm kind of excited about because at the end of the day, I have learned, you know, for myself in, intentionally that if I, as I continue to try to go from, you know, seven to eight figures, what ends up happening is I've got to find better ways to take better care of me in order to make sure that I last to see these goals happen. <laughs> now... That being said, though, what I want you to do is I want you to pay attention to today's guest because he comes from an entrepreneurial family. In fact, I am going to say that you may have visited a store possibly 31 times or more because you have 31 different things or more that you can choose from his store. And some of you are probably catching the hint that I am of what store I might be talking about, but I'll let him share that because I'm kind of excited about it. But most importantly, uh, we will be talking today to Ocean Robbins. He is the co-founder and CEO of the Half a Million Member Food Revolution Network. And you have to think about this. What kind of passion are we about to experience if you can dedicate yourself to attract half a million people along with you? I think we're gonna learn a lot and I hope you're ready for Ocean Robbins. Ocean, how you doing? I'm great. Thrilled to be with you, and this is fun. Yep, yep, yep. So I have to 
ask you, this being the first time that you're here, uh, I have to ask you the same question. I tend to ask everybody else the first time that they're here. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So I tend to look at today's entrepreneurs a lot like yesterday's superheroes. So, you know, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, etc. Because I think entrepreneurs and superheroes have a ton of things in common. Chief among them, uh, as a entrepreneur occasionally i can envision myself you know flying around town using our products and services saving our customers one sale at a time and yes i may be wearing a cape at that moment Uh, also though like a a superhero an entrepreneur has a a beginning so if you think of say spider-man for a moment there was a time where he was just a kid going to school doing his thing taking some photos and then you know one day he gets bit by a spider discovers that he's got a superhuman ability and then has to choose. Am I going to use this for good or for evil? So my question to you is as follows. Uh, before being the adjunct professor at uh, Chapman University's Peace and Studies Department, before the, the uh, co-authoring the, the book uh, uh, you know, with your dad, before even your new book, before you know the Food Revolution Network, before everything everyone knows you about today what we want to know is who is ocean robbins (laughs) oh my goodness i think that's the million dollar question wouldn't we all like to know who we really are um (laughs) (laughs) so so i'll tell you um i was born in a log cabin in the middle of the woods to parents who were practicing yoga and meditation for several hours a day and uh named their kid ocean and they actually almost named me kale um, and I'm, I'm really glad, to be honest with you, that they took the conservative route on this one and, and chose Ocean instead. Um, but uh, the reality is that we ate a lot of kale and a lot of organic whole foods from the garden. Hmm. And um, so I started from a real early age uh, learning about food and connecting to it, seeing the seeds get planted and the sprouts grow and turn into the food that we ate. Mm. So to me, food isn't just something that comes from the supermarket. It's something that comes from the earth. And as I got a little older, I learned more. And I learned about my family history, which you alluded to. My grandpa founded the Baskin Robbins Ice Cream Company. Uh, My dad, John, grew up with an ice cream cone-shaped swimming pool in the backyard (laughs) and 31 flavors of ice cream in the freezer at all times. Nice. And uh, he was groomed to one day join in running that company, but he ended up walking away from the ice cream fortune, uh, from a path that was practically paved with gold as well as ice cream, Mm. to, as we joke in our family, um, follow his own rocky road. (laughs) And uh, so he ended up, you know, moving with my mom to this little island in British Columbia, Canada, where I was born. Years later, he became a best-selling author writing about food and health and uh, inspiring millions of people to look at their food choices as a chance to make a difference on the planet. The media had a lot of fun with the story. They called him the rebel without a cone. So I was influenced (laughs) by my family history. And I have to say I was influenced by my grandpa's business success and the fact that he could accomplish so much. Mm -hmm. And I was influenced by my dad's success in a very different kind of a way, which is that he believed that some things were more important than money and that health was more important than money. And so he walked away from the chance to have an immense amount of money to pursue health for himself, but also ultimately to stand for a healthier world. And so to me, uh, my, my core DNA says that there is something more important than the almighty dollar. And in our society, I think we've made money sometimes more important than the earth, than, than our happiness, or than life itself. 
And I'm saying, no, let's remember, money is a tool. It's a tool we can use for good or for evil, as you say, right? And so is mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my life at core has always been about how do I make the biggest difference that I can? How do I contribute to more health, more happiness, more beauty in this world? And what I've stumbled upon more or less over the years is that entrepreneurship is this incredible tool because when we use it wisely, we can scale. We can generate revenues that enable us to grow our impact and our service and our contribution. And uh, that's how I hold it. Got it. Love it. Now, I have a question for you because I'm, I'm listening to this and I know that there's a number of entrepreneurs listening who feel passionate because that's the thing that like listening to you. I can hear that you have a lot of passion behind what you do, which, again, most every entrepreneur must or should develop that passion at some time, because, as you say, we we can't just chase the money, which is very true. But I have a question, though. I'm I have seen and have experienced myself where there's this can be this frustration point at times to where you have this message. It does mean something. But yet at times you can feel like your lack of resources is what's impeding the message's progress. You can't make the message progress because you're, you're just lacking the tools, the resources to make this happen. So have you ever said to your dad or said, you know, dad, my life, my message would be easier if you had just did the ice cream thing because then now I'd be able to tell everybody all these other things. Has that thought ever crossed <laughs> your mind? Uh, not really, because here's the thing. Um, mm-hmm. It actually, I mean, very practically in our case, just being specific here, you know, my dad's choice to walk away from the ice cream fortune has opened so many doors because people hear that and they're instantly like, wow, this family has some integrity, yeah. you know? Like it, it says so clearly that he's not all about the money. I mean, he was on national television some years back with, you know, um, a representative from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. They were talking about food choices and he was challenging in a pretty big way the industrialized factory farming system and its impact on the environment and our health. And the National Cattlemen's Beef Association was not happy about that. So they were having a national TV debate. And, you know, the guy says to my dad, you know, well, you're just trying to sell your book. And my dad says, look, if my purpose was to make money, I never would have let Baskin Robbins. Right. And the audience cheers. You know, they get it. Like, there's something more important than money going on here. And so I actually think that my dad's choice has opened up so many doors that wouldn't have been there if he had taken the, the path that 99% of the young men in the country would have taken, right? <laughs> Which would have been, say, heck yeah, I'll take the money and I'll try to do some little bit of good with it if I can. But, you know, ultimately... With your, when you're dealing with a company that large, its goal is about making money. Like owners don't really control it um, in that level because uh, we, we as, as with entrepreneurs with smaller businesses can be really creative and build ba- values into the DNA of a company. But when a company already has tens of thousands of employees and the DNA doesn't hold, you know, social impact and values and ethics at its core, it's very hard to add it late in the game. Totally understood. But this begs the uh, the question from the position with which you got to start. And I'll say not necessarily position, but vantage point, because that is uh, I see from from my perspective. One of the significant advantages is that you were given such a different vantage point than most of us from the beginning. You could have chosen anything. Why food? 
<laughs> I could have. Well, here's the thing. I actually have, you know, worked in a variety of areas. I directed a nonprofit for 20 years that worked with young leaders around the planet, mobilizing them to um, to deepen their root system and to become more effective change agents. And I've worked with leaders in over 65 countries um, and, and more than 650,000 people in person. And as I directed that nonprofit and worked all over the world, here's what I saw. Everybody eats. And we what hope. we eat is having this huge impact. And I don't care if you're talking about social justice or human rights or sustainability or mm-hmm. poverty. Mm-hmm. What Our food system is having an impact on all of this, not to mention health. And what I saw was that in the United States, we are exporting ways of producing food, ways of processing food, ways of distributing and selling food that are spreading all over the world. Monsanto, big agribusiness, pesticides, hormones, antibiotics, factory farms, KFC, McDonald's, Baskin Robbins. We're spreading (laughs) this around the world. And as our systems of mechanized, industrialized agriculture and food production are spreading, guess what's happening? Hospitals are filling up. Wastelines are expanding. People are getting sick with diseases they didn't have before. Just a generation ago in places like China or Japan, diseases like heart disease, cancer, diabetes were rare. Now they're becoming common. Alzheimer's is becoming common. And so as I traveled the globe, I kept seeing that my country was actually at the epicenter of food systems that were... You know, yes, they were bringing taste and texture and cuisine and flavor to a lot of people, which is awesome, but they were also bringing significant costs. And so I realized this is a point of leverage. This is a place where we can make an immense impact. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I want to be healthy. I want to be vibrant. I want to have a clear mind. I want to have energy that lasts all day long so I can do the work that, that it takes to get this job done. You know, we all know that entrepreneurs work extra hard and hopefully we have extra passion but we also need extra fuel to make that happen. And so I realized that very personally and selfishly, food's a big deal in my life, but I also realized that most people today are fundamentally trying to fuel their lives on diets that are inadequate. Most of us are nutritionally deprived. Less than 5% of Americans get the recommended amount of fiber. Most people are not getting nearly enough of some of the critical micronutrients that we need to function well and optimally. So at a selfish level, at an entrepreneurial level, I want to thrive, but also at a global level, I see that the industrialized food system is toxic and it's killing us. And quite frankly, it's bankrupting us too. In the United States, 19% of our GDP is going to what we euphemistically call healthcare, but really it's disease symptom management. So I'm passionate about helping to turn all of this freaking mess around and empowering every individual to live the food revolution in their lives. And as I've seen the impact and I've seen the costs and I've seen the benefits that we could get from a change, I just realized this is where I've got to focus my life. Ooh, I love it. See, when you, uh, and I hope everyone is hearing this. This is what it takes to make your business something more than just the place or way for you to eat and provide jobs. And yes, those things happen. But what you're hearing at the core is what you must feel. You you may not feel this way about food, but you you need to feel this way about whatever it is that you're out there doing. So I'm curious, Ocean, in, in this process of of getting this started. Uh, what has been like the obstacle? I mean, how do you you just wake up one day and go, you know what? I'm going to change food. And then people say what to you? <laughs> Good luck. 
can I still eat my hamburger? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so here's the thing. Like, food's super personal, right? It's very emotional. And sometimes I, I think that I, it would be easier to tell people to have sex change operations than to change their diets, you know? Wow. Because um, <laughs> we get very attached to what's familiar. And so what I want to get clear out of the gate is I am not about depriving anybody of anything. I don't want to take away what gives you pleasure or what gives you joy. I want you to have more pleasure. And I titled my new book, 31 Day Food Revolution, yes. because I'm trying to say, look, in 31 Steps to Health can give you more pleasure and more satisfaction, even the 31 flavors of ice cream. And this is all about how you get to have a life you love and a body you love and a body that's trim and fit and vibrant and that gives you energy and mental clarity all day long. This is all about how you can thrive, right? I, I am not about struggling and fighting to somehow make it through life you know, miserably, <laughs> you know, I want pleasure. Um, but you know what, the, the food industry, uh, the junk food industry has done a really good job uh, of uh, marketing junk and convincing us that, you know, that, that it makes us happy. Mm. And, it, but, and, and there's no question, there's lots of pleasure in certain kinds of sugars and fats and, you know, processed foods and fried foods, they, they can be pleasant, no question about it. You know, but there's not a lot of pleasure in not remembering the names of your loved ones because you have dementia. There's there's not a lot of pleasure in going through chemotherapy. And what I'm trying to say is that at the end of the day, the standard American diet leads to the standard American diseases. And that's sad. And we can do better. And so when we when we have true cost accounting, when we look at the real impact of our choices, then we realize in the long run, we're going to get more pleasure from food that love loving foods that love us back agreed now let me let me restate and take it from a different direction though most yeah. of the time when someone wakes up with an idea of a place where we can make a change we're like okay cool uh, i can you know invent this small widget or i can develop this kind of service or i, I they'll take that you know an already existing idea and and try to morph it into their own thing such that they can go out there and deliver a, a product uh, or service to the public, what you're talking about is so huge and could take so long. Where where does your ability to see this long-term vision and to delay the gratification of seeing progress come from? Hey guys, thanks for listening as always, and I'm glad that you continue to support with each and every download and subscription and share. One of the things that I want to ask you, though, is where are you listening to me from right now? I know some of you, maybe you're on a treadmill, maybe you're washing dishes, maybe you're walking that dog, and some of you are actually in a vehicle driving right now. One of the fun things that you can do, get some of your time back, is begin to living a car-free existence. But even then, it can be a little complicated. So one of the things that I want you to do is I want you to go over to Zipcar. Go to joinzipcar.com forward slash cash flow diary. It's a way that I am able to still go get a car just for a few hours very, very simply so that if I have a lot of errands to run and sheets to drop off and running to the short-term rentals or if I just want to go for a long trip up to LA and back, etc., I can rent a car for a very, very short period of time. And the cool part is I don't even have to pay for any gas. Again, go to joinzipcar.com forward slash cash flow diary. Well, I think that when we, um, I mean, pain pushes and vision pulls. 
So a lot of people are motivated to make radical changes in their food choices because they uh, are facing a diagnosis or a crisis. But sometimes by the time that comes, it's too late. My, my, my grandpa founded Baskin Robbins with his brother-in-law, Bert Baskin. Bert Baskin was one of the most successful entrepreneurs in American history. He had a family he loved. He had a career he loved. But he ended up uh, dying of heart disease at the age of 54. By the time he was diagnosed, it was too late. His family lost him. My grandpa lost his business partner, and that's actually when he tried to bring my dad into the company, and my dad said no. But, and that's when my grandpa sold the company. Now, in his early 70s, my grandpa continued along eating the standard American diet plus a double scoop of ice cream. And then in his early 70s, he was diagnosed with serious heart disease and type 2 diabetes and weight issues. And his doctors told him he didn't have long to live. And he ended up, um, you know, facing, you know, kind of being on death's door. And um, his doctor said, if you really want to live, you should read this book. And they gave him a copy of my dad's 1987 bestseller, Diet for New America. So my grandpa read it and changed his diet and he got results, like predictable and dramatic results. He lost 30 pounds he needed to lose. He reversed all of his diabetes and blood and, and heart disease um, symptoms and got off of all of the medications he was taking and lived another 19 more vibrant, healthy years. And so we have seen in our family what happens when we follow the status quo and we've seen what happens when we make a change. And my, my dad's uncle, Bert, didn't get a second chance. My grandpa did. Hmm. But I'm definitely letting folks know that we need to recognize that if we, if we go with the status quo, we know where it leads, you know, predictably and consistently. But here's the thing, Jay. The, the benefits of healthy eating don't take 30 years to materialize. You can feel trimmer, more vibrant, more energetic, more clear, starting very, very quickly. I would, I would say in 31 days or less, in fact, you can reap the benefits. Because, you know, your body is like kind of like a car engine. If you give it the wrong kind of fuel, it, it can still drive, mm. uh, but not as well. And then in the long run, you get breakdown. Things fall apart if you're giving it the wrong kind of fuel. Um, but in the short run, your performance is optimized with optimal fuel. Well, and so you can really feel the benefits uh, very quickly. Well, and you're actually touching on exactly where I was headed. I was like, but in today's day and age, I mean, between, you know, <laughs> being able to listen to our to the United States presidents just be, simply by checking, you know, checking in on Twitter, uh, you, you, we, we've come to expect such an immediate response, you know, cause and effect uh, reaction to nearly everything, not just communication, but yes, uh, delivery of food. I mean, you don't even have to leave your house now. It just, it literally shows up. Um, you know, you can order it from an app. Um, how, how <laughs> I'm just in my head. It's like, it's so counter cultural counter the changes i mean i can't necessarily or maybe i can maybe i don't know what i don't know uh i know that i if i want something to eat whether we call it actual food or whether it's nutritional or not i know that i can go on an app and have it in in, in a very short period of time how does an, an entrepreneur cope with all of the demands that we've got to do yeah. and and still be able to try to practice some of these things 
without having just food, food prep, and all of this take over their lives because it's so much, quote-unquote, easier. The path of least resistance is to grab what's what's right there, my friend. Absolutely, it is. Well, that, here's the thing. At the end of the day, uh, what defines your choices and your, your health outcomes isn't what you do when you have a peak moment of passion and creativity. It's your habits. It's what you do day in and day out. It's what you do when you're tired, when you're worn out, when you're stressed, when you're not thinking that is actually your norm. That's what kind of defines your choices in many cases and your impact and your results. So the key is to make habits, set habits up that get you on the right foot, that get you on the right track. You know, water, when it rains, goes in gullies and grooves. Mm -hmm. And over time, those become uh, deeper and they can become creeks and they can become riverbeds. Mm -hmm. Um, But they all start out with just a trickle flowing along where it's lowest, where there's the path of least resistance. So the key with your willpower is not to try to get out there every time there's a storm and push the water where you want it to go. The key is to dig some trenches and, and you know, they get the water flowing where you want it so that when it rains, the water goes where you want it to go. So getting very practical here, this means stocking your fridge with the right kinds of foods. It means finding some recipes you like. It means setting up some habits and patterns that serve you. It means getting rid of the bad stuff, the worst offenders, and making other choices. It means planning ahead. So maybe on the weekend, you you know cook up some big pots of things. So you've got them in the freezer or the fridge. So you've got four meals at once ready to go during the week, all already prepared for you. It, it means prepping so that when you're stressed out and exhausted and tired and don't have time to think, your path of least resistance is a healthy one. I like that. Um, it, 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 and it makes a lot of sense uh, because if, if you can do that or when you do that ahead of time, I mean, when we do that with our you know business choices, whether it be prospecting or, you know, hiring that next person, uh, we can set up, you know, boundaries that guide us towards the thing that we actually wanted in the first place. But uh, he, here's a question, though. Um what happens in again we we have a the situation where we'll say the the marketing machine i mean you is is not necessarily supportive of your vision uh and that's going to be i mean i'm just looking at the things that are hard to 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 overcome and sure. it's just the messages that we receive on a daily basis uh there's I mean, there's not a 31-day food revolution commercial yet. I'm just saying. Help a brother out. <laughs> <laughs> well, not yet. No, here's the thing, Jay. Um, the way I look at it, Food 1.0 is about survival. If you can get enough yes. calories to fill your belly and carry on for another day, that's success. And for most of human history, that's been where we've been. And for some people, sure. that's still where, where we are. Food 2.0 is about commerce. The central organizing principle is the buying and selling of goods. And in Food 2.0, we have an incredible array of tastes and texture and cuisine and and flavor. Uh, You can get food from 10,000 miles away, you know, at your local grocery store. And uh, Food 2.0 is, uh, you know, has brought us tasty experiences and abundance of opportunity. But unfortunately, it's morally bankrupt. Mm. It's value neutral. And it's brought us food that's killing us, Um, which is why I think it's time to move to food 3.0, where we make health the central organizing principle of our food system, health for our bodies and health for our planet. And there are plenty of healthy profits in food 3.0. 
It's just that they come from healthy food. Okay, well now, and, oh, hold on, hold on. You just you you hit something right there because, and maybe I'm just I'm shopping at the wrong place. But places like we'll call them Whole Foods have been nicknamed Whole Paycheck for for a reason. Yeah, and there there seems to be the this disparity between the the price of something and 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 its health. It's it's almost as if unless you earn enough money, you're just going to well, you have no choice but to choose the unhealthy option. Well, the health food industry has for the most part catered to where the money is at, which is the 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 elite, relatively privileged consumer who can afford to pay extra. Mm-hmm. And that's where the money's been for this industry. And that leaves companies like you know Nestle and all the big food brands. Um, catering to, quite frankly, the masses who can't afford to spend their whole paycheck on Whole Foods. Right. Um, but what we are uh, th- th- here's the reality: it, you don't have to spend an arm and a leg. That's where the market's at right now. But you know, it's not that expensive to eat, you know, legumes or quinoa or brown rice or to eat, you know, cabbage, carrots, onions, even kale. Um, <laughs> when you look at the nutrient value of these foods and what they actually give you, the average American is eating about 600 calories a day that they don't need. In fact, that are excessive. So no wonder most of us have spare tires around the middle hmm. because we're eating way more than we need. So that's that. If you want to save money on food, then the first place to start is by not eating food you don't need by cutting out the excess calories. And the, the processed food industry is addicting us. To eating more than we need, you know, just bet you can't eat just one is more than a clever marketing slogan. It's actually laying down the gauntlet. It's declaring very directly what the interests are of the processed food industry, which is to hook us on a lifetime of addiction to their products. Now, some of us like the feeling of being addicted because it's pleasurable. We love the feeling of satiation, but like a drug, it it gives short-term pleasure and there's a long-term cost. So cutting out those 600 excess calories a day is a great way to save some money. Number two, we can uh, we can stop eating the hyper-processed foods. We actually pay extra for some amounts of hyper-processing. If you're trying to save money, you probably want to eat out at restaurants less because you pay a real premium for folks to do it for you. And then you want to plan ahead and base your life around all the whole staples. Now, here's the thing. Obviously, people hear about legumes and cabbage and carrots and onions and quinoa, and they're like, well, that sounds very nice, but boy, is that boring, you know? <laughs> and so so you've got to learn how to, number one, change your taste buds to cultivate an enjoyment of real, healthy, wholesome food, but also learn how to prepare it in ways that you like. And I think one of the greatest hidden uh, missing ingredients in the American diet style is spices. You know, we tend to season our food with sugar, salt, and fat rather than with the spices that have characterized ethnic cuisines around the world. But there are so many savory spices and sweet spices and fabulous spices that are really healthy and nourishing for us. And they also add flavor. And if you learn to use them right, they become your friend. Now, this is a journey. Don't get me wrong. It's absolutely a journey. We just have to look at what is the cost of the status quo. Once we realize it's unacceptable, we become willing to develop some new habits, even if they do take a little bit of work. But in the long run, you can absolutely thrive abundantly without spending your whole paycheck on Whole Foods. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think there's a number of people who are, are probably already resonating with that message and are just glad that, uh, you know, Food Revolution Network is out there 
saying that same thing. But I'm curious, as a a CEO, one of the biggest things that we've got to do is we've got to have a very clear, precise, accurate vision that we can also communicate well. And and we've heard you communicate that vision well. So I'm I'm actually now just curious from a a structure perspective, you guys have any trouble at all attracting talent? Because I'm guessing not. (laughs) No, we don't have a hard time finding good people. Anytime we open a job in our company, we have 500 or more applications within a week. Right. Um, So, you know, I think there is no shortage of people who would like to make a living doing something good, doing something that matters in the world. Um, Obviously, attracting the right talent is a challenge everybody faces because Mm. just because there's a lot of people interested doesn't mean they're the perfect people for our unique um, niche and because we're a growing company we also uh, struggle sometimes with you know how much is it appropriate to pay people right you know because uh, we don't want to cost ourselves out of existence because we create so much overhead right at the same time we want to have top-notch people and to some extent our team members will take kind of a discount if you will uh, because they want to do something good that matters but at the end of the day um, you know, we want to feel like we're able to pay relatively competitive market rates to have great people. Um, and um, so, you know, that that's a question we struggle with. And, you know, we want to stay solvent and we want to stay able to invest in our future and grow and bring in the talent that we need. So I think every every company as it grows and brings in new people has to wrestle with those questions. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, um, no, we don't find it hard to find people who want to work for us. Um, and, uh, you know, I- I'll be honest with you. I think that as a market force, healthy food is growing in general. Mm-hmm. Like people are really fed up with the status quo. They're sick of being sick. They're tired of being tired. They're hungry for a change. And <laughs> we get to be a part of making that happen. And uh Statistically, sales of organic food, natural food, fair trade food, certified non-GMO food, local food, farmers markets, these are all growing rapidly. Um, And yes, they're growing mostly in affluent communities, um, but that's changing too. Um, There's now programs that are getting food stamps, uh, double value for fruits fruits and vegetables. And there are 500,000 Americans that are taking advantage of that right now. And we're seeing remarkable studies. They eat more fruits and vegetables when that gets implemented in their community. And that can lead to long-term health outcomes for some of the poorest people in, in the nation. And I think that's incredibly important for us as a society. Wow. I like that. Now, I, I'm just curious because you said a bunch of phrases that I was familiar with, but then you said something I had never heard before. What What's What's fair trade food? I've never heard of that. <laughs> okay. That one's so new. here's the thing. Uh, around the world... A lot of people are growing food. Yeah. In the United States, we um, we have farm owners and then we have farm workers. Okay. And in many cases, a lot of our food is grown on very very large industrialized farms, and migrant farm workers are brought in to pick the tomatoes and the strawberries and plant the seeds, and whatever can't be done by machine is done by hand labor. Uh, Around the world, a lot of the food is grown in very small scale farms where the farmers and the farm workers are the same people and often they're the same families. And um, the, the, um, when food is imported to the United States, there's a lot of pressure to get the lowest possible price. And a lot of farm workers are paid so little for their food that they literally can't afford to feed their families. Hmm. So we have kids working in the fields rather than going to school because it's the only way to keep food on the table for the family. And uh, this is true in the chocolate industry. It's true in the coffee industry. It's 
Stephen Chu and bananas. And um, so, you know, it's my belief that the people who grow our food should should earn enough that they can feed their families. That's just my basic sense of values and ethics. And uh, right now, that's not always the case. And so fair trade is a system of certification by which uh, distributors and, you know, retailers can certify that the raw ingredients that they source were produced in ways that were ethical. And, uh, you know, this system can always be improved and there's lots of controversy about which fair trade certification is best. But at the end of the day, they all help. And when, when, when farmers are paid enough to support their families, then it helps them get out of a cycle of poverty and it helps the kids to go to school. So maybe they can go on to other things someday or work in the farm with the dignity instead of feeling like they are slaves. And uh, ultimately, that's what I want for our food systems. And quite frankly, when there's fair trade, farmers are more likely to be sustainable. They're less likely to clear cut tropical rainforests so they can expand their farmland. They're less likely to saturate the food that you and I eat with pesticides because they're trying to maximize yield regardless of the health impact. They're more likely to be sustainable and think about the long term because they're not desperate just to make it through today. So fair trade has benefits to our planet and, and to us as consumers, as well as to our ethics. Got it. I, I, it. In a in a roundabout way, I can actually relate to that because we do um, for a lot of our short term rentals. We we sign pledges f- to make sure that our cleaning staff and that our customers know that our cleaning staffs are paid livable wages, et cetera, because we have an issue there because um it, Oftentimes, an operator will try to compete by paying the, the the staff that's actually cleaning, who can often be immigrants from other countries, to a, a less than livable wage, and uh, that. So yeah, now I that makes sense to me for for yeah. that reason, and I get it so one hundred percent. But I, I still have okay a fundamental question because again, I I just relate to the world differently, or at least my business is. It's really clear for me to understand you know, how we can measure what we need to improve. And and so I'm curious from your perspective as an organization, what are those key performance metrics that you guys can rely upon to go, okay, we're doing well, or we made progress this quarter, or does it even work that way for you guys? Well, to a certain extent, our revenues are all tied to impact and contribution because every single product we sell mm-hmm. is providing education and information to empower people with their health and their food choices and their lifestyle. So for us, we can certainly look at that as one measure of effectiveness. And, and quite frankly, uh, if we are the way we've built our business model is that we never want to do a hard sell. We never want to sell with manipulation or scare tactics We want to stand for what's possible. And what we've been discovering, we do a lot of split testing, and we've been discovering that positive messaging about what's possible is actually outperforming negative. So, for example, just focus on if you eat junk food, you're going to die. That's why you need (laughs) us to save you. It's it's not as effective as your body was meant to thrive. It was exquisitely designed to function perfectly and to work beautifully, and you just have to feed it the right food. So what is the right food? Well, let's find out, you know, like that is more effective, right? And I'm, I'm being extreme here, but mm-hmm. the point is that most copywriting experts 
have always told us that we need to push the pain points. We need to focus on the suffering people are feeling in order to give them then a doorway out. And what we're finding is, yeah, we need to indict the status quo. We need to call it like it is. We live in a toxic food culture. There's no holding back from that reality. But our core focus is on what's possible, on what's what the vision. And we're finding that that's really effective and it kind of c contradicts conventional wisdom on car copy and marketing. So I, would, I don't know if other sectors and industries are like ours, but we're finding that we're developing a brand that focuses on possibility and on health rather than on fighting disease. And my suggestion is that, um, that for every business owner, to look at what is your vision, what is your big why, what is your yes, what is your stand, what are you working towards, and as much as possible try to bring congruency with that and focus on that. Um, what is your service, what, what gap are you filling, what niche are you responding to? And, and for us, our revenues are tied to that. And if we are effective in our marketing and we're effective in our copy and we're effective in the value we're adding, then people are gonna like it and want more. And that's gonna be good for our so-called bottom line. Um, that said, we also look at metrics like are people clicking on our emails? Hmm. Are they opening them? Are they engaging? How many hours are they spending participating in our online events? Hmm. We do surveys afterwards to find out what the results and efficacy was. We look at we we have a feedback loop. So every email that comes into our team, and we send, you know, um, I don't even know, a hundred million emails a year to hmm. our list. We've uh -huh. Got a big list, and uh -huh. you know, email is a big part of our our model. And uh, people write back, obviously, frequently, and we respond to all of the, the messages that come back, and we track it, and we look at positive and negative feedback in response to different things we send out, and we analyze that. So we're always having a feedback loop of how are people responding, and then we do surveys as well. So we really want the information not just on our people buying, but are they responding? Are they resonating? Are they appreciating? Are they respecting what we're doing and what we stand for? Yeah, I, I like it. I like what you guys got going on, how you're going about it, uh, and the way that you're making it a, a sustainable cause to to continually champion. Because um, it it you've got a long road ahead, that's for sure, and you're fighting some of the most major industries on the planet. Um, as we, uh, I have well. I know there's a number of people who have listened this far and they probably want to find out more about what you guys got going on, figure out what you're up to. What's what's going to be the best way for them to to find out more and follow up? So the number one thing is go get 31 day food revolution from your local <laughs> yes. store or you can buy it online as well. Uh, this is my passion. This is my stake in the ground to get this message out to the masses. 31-Day Food Revolution captures the simple steps you can take. It looks at how you can detoxify your life and your body. It looks at how you can nourish and give your cells the nutrients they need to thrive. It looks at how you can gather your community and your tribe so that you can have the support systems in place for healthy food when it's easy and when it's tough. And it looks at how you can be a part of the food revolution and transform our world. Because ultimately, we need to put our own oxygen mask on first before helping others. But we also need to save the freaking plane. So 31-Day Food Revolution is uh, my, my core message distilled into writing and put into simple, bite-sized, actionable steps you can implement starting immediately to get results. So that's the biggest thing I want to say is I wrote this to share it with you and for you to share it with your friends. So take advantage of it. And then as well, you can certainly go to third, uh, excuse me, to foodrevolution.org 
join our website, sign up for our email list, check out our blog. And at the end of the day, you know what? You are a food revolutionary when you decide that you are. When you decide that you're going to say no to the status quo and start standing for something else and building momentum in a positive and healthy direction. So every time you choose real food over processed junk, every time you say no to more sugars and bottled oils and processed flowers and animal products from factory farms, and every time you say yes to real whole plant foods, you are part of it. So just know I thank you. I celebrate you. I cheer you on. I stand with you and I'm here to support you. Love it. Now, as we wind down, I've got a uh, final question for you that I think will be interesting to hear your perspective on, Um, you know, because there's a number of individuals who are at various stages that are listening. And uh, one of those individuals is is like they're standing in what I like to call the superhero outfit store. They're like, yeah, I'm going to go do this thing. I got my cause too. Ocean's not the only one. I'm going to make something happen too. And they've gathered some inspiration from listening. And in fact, they're, they're ready to go make it happen. They're standing at what I like to call the precipice of decision. And you know, like I know, Ocean, that there are times where we reach these moments uh, of decision where when we get there, we also have a companion and that companion comes in the form of a voice. And it's a voice that often reminds us of, well, how it won't work and who are you and what on earth do you think you're doing? And why are you trying to go up against these big guys? Don't you just go get a job? I mean, all of those (laughs) things. And for some people, they're actually related to that voice. So my question (laughs) to you is as follows. (laughs) Let's pretend that this time they're going to do something different. They're they're going to go out there. They're going to make it happen. And they're going to follow through. They're going to do exactly what you say. And they're going to do so in the next 24 to 48 hours. So that being the case, what should they do? Well, um, I think that, number one, we can't make the perfect into the enemy of the good. So don't try to do everything at once. Commit to do something. So when it comes to food, look at your life, look at where your food choices are and are not in integrity with your values, with what you really want for your life. And then commit to a step you can take to bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Maybe it's throwing out the potato chips or getting rid of something else or giving it away to friends. Maybe it's starting to use a shopping list and putting some healthy things on that shopping list. Maybe it's finding one recipe for something healthy that you can make for breakfast, and you make it the night before so it's ready to go in the morning when you need it, and you can just pop out to work. Maybe it's starting to bring your own lunch, or maybe bringing your own lunch tomorrow. Maybe it's calling up a friend and asking if you can pool meal meal preparation. Like, hey, I'll make lunch for you tomorrow. You make lunch for me the next day. You know, Whatever it is, think of a step you can take, an action you can take, that will get you momentum in a positive direction. And then do it. And then keep going. And keep building from there. Because it isn't about some new diet fad. It's about creating the habits and the conditions that set you up for success. And that's one step at a time. Well Take said. A step. I, I love that. That I mean, that that has to be like the perfect transition for, for almost anyone and everyone listening. Uh, and I definitely appreciate, again, when you're when you're brave enough to champion a cause entrepreneurs that are you know like ocean when you're out there and you're doing it sir i love that and and you're you're putting your time the most valuable thing that you've got 
behind it uh, to, to make that happen. I, I think it's great. It's even more so when you're the quote unquote underdog, not the popular kid in class, because you're saying you're preaching a message that, uh, like you said, a lot of people don't want to hear it. But it that doesn't mean it's not true or it's not worthwhile. And I, I just want to be the first to say thanks for taking the time to, to share your knowledge, your wisdom and insight here with us today at the Cashflow Diary. My privilege, Jay. Thank you for all that you do to empower entrepreneurs and and help us create positive impact in the world. And um, I hope I hope that uh, everyone listening, thank you for your time and your attention and for your partnership in this food revolution. Remember, check out 31 Day Food Revolution, available wherever good books are sold or at 31dayfoodrevolution.com. Uh, I wrote this book for you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for you to move at the speed of instruction. What does that mean today? Well, honestly, I I think you know what it means. I think you know that, yes, the book is a part of your future, but you also know the more important thing. And and I love the way that he said it. Don't let the perfect be the enemy. Don't let it. Don't wait until it's perfect. Just take one very simple step. Commit to that bridge step. I think that was genius. Hopefully you were listening and you took some of the ideas, not only for yourself, but also how you'll be able to use them in your own business. Ladies and gentlemen, you just listened to gold. So now it's your chance to go refine it, make it your own and use it as well. It's been fun talking to you guys today. I look forward to talking to you soon. Until next time. 